Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. You're in the right place at the right time, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Lots of stuff going on, all of it crucially important to the republic. Judge Emmett Sullivan, if in fact Judge Emmett Sullivan goes through with this amicus brief, friend of the court position that he's taken, he should be removed from the bench. This is a criminal case. It's not a civil case. It's not an appellate case. It's not a Supreme Court case. He is the trial lawyer, excuse me, the trial judge in the courtroom. And now to be asking partisans, former Watergate prosecutors, every one of them is a Democrat. Richard Benveniste, hardcore left-wing Democrat, as were most of them, as are most of them. But what does that have to do with anything in this case? They're not involved in this case. They're reading the filings. They're watching the news. They don't have a client in this case. Now, I can guarantee you if this gets to the Supreme Court in any significant way, they'll reject what this judge is doing. This judge is completely and utterly out of control. He's a disgrace. He's inviting friend of the court briefs. Ignoramus. That's what he is. That's why I don't care how long he's been a judge. He's flesh and blood like everybody else. So we're going to keep an eye on that. Because I think this judge, in doing this, has taken a step too far. and Crucially unethical politically partisan step. That's number one. Number two, we will get to the list of the unmasking, the unmaskers. But I want to focus on one of them right now, and that's Joe Biden. Joe Biden is corrupt. Whether it's his son with Ukraine and China, or his brother, Joe Biden is corrupt. Whether it is the allegation of rape, and now this. And now this, Joe Biden pretended when he was interviewed on Good Morning America that he didn't know anything about this January 5th meeting. I don't know. What do you want to know? Mr. Producer, let's play Cut 22, please. Go. So what did you know about those moves to investigate uh, Michael Flynn, and was there anything improper done? So let's stop right there. What did you know about those moves to investigate Michael Flynn? And they were going after Flynn before this meeting, during this meeting, and after this meeting. Why Flynn? Why so focused on Flynn? Number one, Obama hated him. But number two, Flynn was a danger to them. He could have figured out exactly what they were doing against the President of the United States. He's an old hand. They didn't want him in there. Brennan, Clapper, Comey, they knew Flynn was a sharp dude. They knew that he'd figure things out. They didn't want him anywhere near the White House. Go ahead. 
Nothing about those moves to investigate Michael Flynn, number one. Number two, this is all about diversion. This is a game this guy plays all the time. The country- it's always about diversion. Hunter Biden's diversion. Tara Reid's diversion. Joe Biden in the January 5th meeting is diversion. The unmasking of Flynn, all diversion. While the guy hides in his basement. Go ahead. We're in an economic crisis, a health crisis. We're in real trouble. He should stop trying to always divert attention from the real concerns of the American people. President of the United States didn't do any of this. The acting director of national intelligence, the U.S. attorney from the Eastern District of Missouri, the attorney general of the United States, an active case in Washington, D.C., in Sullivan's courtroom, where Flynn is represented now finally by competent counsel, the resignation of the lead prosecutor in the case. Trump hasn't done any of this. He's observing it, and he's commenting on it. He's not diverting anything. And when it comes to our republic and the rule of law and following our Constitution, when it comes to due process and hanging out and setting up an individual American citizen, that's not a diversion, Biden. That goes to the heart and soul of this nation. Go ahead. People are worried with good reason. He has acted irresponsibly from the very beginning. He continues to act irresponsibly. He hasn't done his job. This isn't about Trump. This is about you and Obama and Obama. It's about you and Obama. And you and Obama are shocked that despite the Praetorian Guard media, despite the media circling their wagons to protect you, Despite the lies and the censorship and the corruption of America's media, it's getting out. What you did, what Obama did, what the top echelon of national security and law enforcement in our federal government in Washington, D.C. did to this country, did to this country, is the greatest scandal in American history. And not surprised the New York Times participated in it, just as the New York Times provided cover for Stalin and cover for Hitler. That's right. When they wouldn't report about the Holocaust, they're unreliable. Worse, they're evil. Go ahead. About diverting attention, diverting attention from the horrible way in which he has acted with what he did. He's not the... We don't have coronavirus because of him, but we have the devastating impact of it because of Why his do life. we have the coronavirus, Biden? Who's responsible? Say it. I know it's hard. The communist regime in China. It's the Wuhan China virus. Say it, Biden. You can't, can you? And you won't, will you? No, you don't want to upset your friends over there in the regime, do you, Biden? God knows what they have on you and your family, too. Go ahead. We'll see. His lack of action. I do want it's to all press about it. diversion. I do want to press that. You say you didn't know anything about it, but you were reported to be at a January 5th, 2017 meeting where you and the president were briefed on the FBI's plan to question Michael, Michael Flynn over those uh, conversations he had with the uh, Russian ambassador Kislyak. Do you remember that, Joe? Remember any of that, Joe? That didn't happen either, Joe? It's not lunch bucket, Joe. It's out to lunch, Joe. Go ahead. Now, I thought you asked me whether or not I had anything to do with him being prosecuted. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I was aware. Well, Joe, did you? Well, we're going to get to that in a minute. Go ahead. 
that there was that, there, that they asked for an investigation. But that's all I know about it. And I don't think anything else. Look, think about this. Can you imagine any other president of the United States? All right, that's fo- enough. This has nothing to do with Donald Trump. He's the victim. And he's not focusing the nation on anything of this, related to this. He's responding to what's taking place. Unlike Obama, the Svengali behind the greatest scandal in American history, Trump is the victim of the greatest scandal in American history. Let's take a look at this piece by Jerry Dunleavy at the Washington Examiner. Biden and other Obama officials received unmasking information on Mike Flynn declassified records show. So we know already that Obama, January 5th, was up to his eyeballs in the investigation of Mike Flynn and Russia. And Russia. And that all sorts of things came out of that meeting, including what I found. On March 2nd, a leak campaign to the New York Times, to the Washington Post, and on and on and on. Against the entire administration. Using Flynn and the dossier as a hook. Let's continue. Former Vice President Joe Biden and other top Obama officials received information in response to quote-unquote unmasking requests. Targeting retired Lieutenant General Michael Flynn in the final weeks, final weeks of the previous administration, according to a memo declassified by Acting Director of National Intelligence Richard Grenier. Now, let me tell you, what's unmasking? Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are surveilling a lot of people, a lot of enemies, a lot of adversaries, even allies. And I can't get into specifics, and I won't. But given all the surveillance that takes place, these individuals do communicate and interact with American citizens and uh, and officials of the government, and in this case, an incoming administration. So you pick up this intelligence. And so Congress, and even more importantly, the Constitution, seek to protect individuals, their due process rights. Otherwise, you could have our government going through the back door to go after American citizens with massive amounts of surveillance of other entities and other people knowing full well that American citizens in one role or another, are talking to these people, right? Well, if you want to surveil an American citizen, you got to get a warrant, whether it's a criminal warrant or a counterintelligence warrant. And you got to go to a court, and we know what happened with the FISA court, but that aside for now. So you can't cut corners in that process and say, hey, look, we're surveilling the Russian ambassador, and we heard Flynn. Oh, my goodness, he was having a conversation with Flynn. Let's leak it. Now, what we know about his conversations with the Russian ambassador is that they were perfectly legal. There was nothing criminal that took place. That's why they had to work so hard to set him up. Not round one, round two. They had to figure out, let's get him in a, in a process crime because he never committed a crime. He didn't do anything. But somehow, his name wound up in the column of David Ignatius, who's a leftist, Her rights for the Washington Compost. He's been around forever. Monotonous bore, but nonetheless. The list obtained by the Washington Examiner on Wednesday, it's been obtained by the world, but let me go on, shows Biden received information at least once in response to such an unmasking request that he made 
on January 12, 2017. But it's not clear whether he made the request or even looked at the information, they say. Biden is now the presumptive... It's not clear he made the request or looked at the information. But he received the information. You have to assume he looked at it. And why was he on the list to receive it? You have to assume he requested it or he was in with a group that sought the information. But listen to this. The date on which Biden received the information about Flynn, January 12, was the same day the Washington Post ran a column by David Ignatius containing leaked classified details from Flynn's call with the Russian ambassador. This is a felony under the Espionage Act. The revelation is already making waves in the... I want to tell this to Slate, which is a left-wing hack operation. Or Salon, one of them. Same damn thing. Quote, Joe Biden's limp claim that he doesn't know anything about the railroading of General Michael Flynn just got even more unbelievable. Trump campaign manager Brad Parscale said in a statement, the newly declassified records show 16 individuals made unmasking requests related to the incoming Trump national security advisor. Boy, were they after him. And the list shows which officials received the sensitive information. It was not immediately clear which individuals made the requests, but those who received the unmasking information were laid out chronologically. Wow. Such a diversion, huh, Mr. Producer? All this diversion going on. Well, here's a list as I continue to do my uh, gathering of the information here. And waiting for the stupidest computer on the face of the earth to kick in. There we go. Here is a list of the individuals. Better yet, let me go directly to the letter, to the original source, if I can pull it up. I'll tell you what, the computer froze. I'm going to be right back. I'm going to give you a list of all the names. Here we go. I got it. We have a list of the names of the individuals. It's been declassified as of May 8th. 2020. What's today? It's May 13th, so it's been declassified really for several days. Below is a list, says the letter, of recipients who may have received Lieutenant General Flynn's identity in response to a request process between November 8, 2016 and January 31, 2017. Wow. Three months. To unmask an identity that had been generally referred to in an NSA foreign intelligence report. Each individual was an authorized recipient of the original report, and the unmasking was approved through NSA's standard process, which includes a review of the justification for the request. Only certain personnel are authorized to submit unmasking requests into the NSA system. In this case, 16 authorized individuals requested unmasking for, and it's covered, different NSA intelligence reports for select identified principles. And while the principles are identified below, we cannot confirm they saw the unmasked information. This response does not include any requests outside the specified time frame. Okay, who received the unmasking information? U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, Samantha Power. November 6, uh, 30, 2016. December 2, 2016. December 7, 2016. 
December 14, 2016, two requests. December 23, 2016, January 11, 2017. That's a lot of requests. I'm up against a hard break. I want to go through this in a little bit more detail with you because it is fundamentally, fundamentally, really unlawful. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand, and absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can, too, with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Here's the list of people who requested unmasking involving General Flynn. U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Samantha Power, seven occasions. Director of National Intelligence, James Clapper, while he's on TV commenting about this stuff. I mean, subsequently, three times. Deputy Chief of Mission Kelly Dugnan, whoever the hell that is, once. U.S. Ambassador to Italy and the Republic of San Marino, John Phillips, once. Director of CIA John Brennan, twice. OIA Director Patrick Cunyon, once. Secretary of the Treasury Jacob Liu, twice. Acting Assistant Secretary of Treasury Arthur Danny McGlynn, once. Acting Deputy Assistant Secretary of Treasury Mike Neufeld, once. Deputy Secretary of the Treasury, Sarah Raskin. She is the wife of the reprobate, Jerry Raskin. I believe that's his name. Left-wing hack out of, um, out of Maryland. Once. Under Secretary of Treasury, Nathan Sheets. Once. Interesting. More. Acting Under Secretary of Treasury, Adam uh, Susbin. U.S. NATO Defense Advisor. Robert Bell, U.S. Representative to NATO, Vadim Christensen, Director of the FBI, James Comey. While the list goes on, and I'm going to finish this list, it's like looking at pictures of uh, people in the post office. I'll be right back. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand, and absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can, too, with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. 
It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. The voice of sanity in an insane world. The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Well, it's interesting to hear these pompous leftists on the Supreme Court about the president's tax records as a side point. Uh, I think they should release all their tax returns the last 10 years, as well as their bank accounts, as as well as all the raw financial information that goes into their tax returns. Why just the president? Well, because, you know, Congress is looking into the president. That's fine. But why shouldn't we, the people, know about these lifetime appointments when these people make decisions? Why shouldn't we know about it? Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a very wealthy lady. Thanks mostly to her, her, former, her deceased husband. But why should we know about the, all the members of Congress? Exactly the same thing. Many of them are poor reprobates who come into office and make a fortune afterwards. But nobody was demanding any of this stuff from Obama or Gore or anything else because they made most of their money after they left office, you see. After they left office. Um, which is raised to me a much bigger concern. Here's the bottom line. The number of people in the Obama administration who requested and who reviewed unmasking and unmasking information is stunning. It's shocking. It's unprecedented. What did they need it for? They didn't need it for anything. Many of these people weren't even criminal investigators. What did the vice president need the information for? On January 12th, he had eight days until he would cease being vice president. What did the vice president need the information for? I'll tell you what I think. It's just a guess. He asked for it. He wanted to be in the loop. Otherwise, why give it to the vice president? Obama was in the loop. Obama was more than in the loop. He was the Svengali. Look what we've learned, really, in the last week or so, or what's been confirmed. And no thanks to America's news media. Very few reporters have really pursued this. Most of them identify as conservatives, but even now, the talking points are out. Joe Biden's put out the talking points, Schumer. And so the media will follow, which is, this is a diversion. A diversion from what? This is a diversion? I want you to pretend the president at the time is Richard Nixon. And he's in a January 5th meeting. And in that meeting is his vice president, Spiro Agnew. And in that meeting is an FDI director. Let's just say Kleindings, who was the attorney general. Let's call him the FBI director. And he's got the head of the CIA, and he's got the head of national intelligence, and his attorney general in this meeting. 
January 5th. And then after the meeting, he calls aside his FBI director and the Attorney General. And he tells them this, you know, this stuff about Flynn here. I'm not sure we should be providing him with information. I think, you know, we really need to look into this, that sort of thing. Then you have leak after leak after leak after leak. And unmasking's been going on, and unmasking continues. Record amount of unmasking, almost 200 unmaskings in the final year of the Obama administration. Just pretend it's Richard Nixon. And Mike Flynn is set up. They threaten his son. They take his home. They destroy his finances, effectively. Because they say he made a false statement. Even though the FBI in its first round said, no, he didn't do anything wrong. We don't believe he lied. Second round, pushed by an operative in the FBI, Stroke in particular, and McCabe. Got him, they say. We got him. Did he have a lawyer present when he interviewed him? No. Did he know that you were targeting him? No. Did you tell White House counsel? No. Matter of fact, White House wasn't really in place yet, so we just kind of lured him into our trap. Basically, that's what Comey has said. But we needed to get rid of this guy. First of all, Nixon didn't like him. Nixon had fired him earlier. He didn't want him around. Secondly, we got all kinds of stuff going on with our intel agencies and the FBI and the Department of Justice and working with the DNC and the dossier. We can't have Flynn in here. This guy, he knows too much. He knows how to figure this stuff out. We got to get rid of this guy. We have to destroy this guy. Imagine it's the Nixon administration. I wonder what these Watergate prosecutors would say then. And then... To keep everything in context, while that's going on, they seek and get a FISA warrant to spy on Carter Page to get through the back door, to read his texts, his emails, listen to what he's saying, and then to follow that chain to get through the back door to violate the due process clause of the Constitution of the United States. And the probable cause clause, too, of the Constitution of the United States. And to get around it. Oh, and while that's going on, before that, they send spies into McGovern's campaign. Spies. To find out if he has any links to Russia, which is a pretext. Then they use this dossier, which is nothing more than opposition research. A couple dozen pages. That's paid for by the Nixon team. And the RNC. And they use that to stoke, they claim, law enforcement interests. But again, it's a pretext. They leak it to the media. They circulate it all they can. The CIA director circulating it. A senator, let's call him John McPain. And others, they're circulating this thing. And then the FBI director, after the, phone, after the meeting with Nixon and the others, decides, we're going to confront the incoming president. Unfortunately, you know, it's, it's a Democrat here. Again, it's Nixon as president. With the most outrageous aspects of this. And so what will he think that 
incoming president. He will think that he better watch himself when it comes to the FBI and so forth because they have dirt. It's not, it's not truthful. It's not the facts, but they're warning him. We can do this to you. We can, we can concoct an entire scenario here. And with our, our lapdog media, we can destroy your presidency. That's why Comey went in there. He didn't say it in so many words, but he was threatening the president of the United States, in my view. Incredible. And then they're pushing for a special prosecutor. Why? Well, we can get rid of Flynn on the national security side. And we got to get rid of Sessions. We got to get rid of the top echelon of the Department of Justice. We got this flunky Rosenstein in there. He's, he's worked for the government, the Department of Justice, U.S. Attorney and all for years and years and years and years. He has no allegiance to the electoral process. He has no allegiance to an incoming president. He'll be a perfect flunky. We've got to have him. We've got to pressure him to appoint a special counsel. And they do. And who do they appoint? The man who was FDI director during much of the Obama administration, Mueller. And who does he appoint? Clinton and Obama sycophants. Particularly Andrew Weissman. This is, I tell you, I've told you for years, but it should be obvious to everybody now, the greatest scandal in American history. You couldn't write a movie. You couldn't write a movie script like this. Nobody would believe it. Nobody. Oh, and I left out the press. The press. With a press that hates this country, that hates the Constitution, that hates due process, with a press that is part of the Democrat machinery, with a press who is invested in the destruction of anybody who gets in the way of a status progressive agenda, they give voice to the most extreme elements of the Democrat Party, whether it's AOC or Talib or Schumer, Pelosi, and all the rest. And so now this is dismissed as a diversion. Tara Reid, it's a diversion. Hunter Biden, diversion. The call to the president of the Ukraine. Well, now that's an impeachable offense right there, kids. That, that's it's unbelievable what happened there. President of the United States says, let's get Biden. He never said that. Oh, but he meant it. And there's Biden trying to take out the Trump administration. Just days before. He's leaving office. And there's Biden on Good Morning America yesterday. And in between that, what is he saying? This is a diversion. Schumer today. This is a diversion. From what? From the virus. Diversion from the virus, you idiots. It's all hands on deck with the virus. But we still need to keep our republic... I mean, ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you a question. Are all the criminal investigations and prosecutions going on in this country today a diversion from the virus? No, I don't think so. Are all the other news stories in newspapers and on TV and radio 
You hear them all the time. Are they a diversion from the virus? No, they're not a diversion from the virus. So why is this one incredibly important story a diversion? It's not. And I'm going to tell you something. One of the reasons they're so desperate to defeat Trump is the good cops are now on the trail. The good cops are now the ones with the subpoena power. Because the good cops are bearing down on the bad cops. And I love Joe DeGeneva, but Joe, you know I used that phrase on Hannity long time ago. And I'm glad people pick it up. Dirty cops. That's what they were. And now the good cops are chasing them down. It's like one caller said to this program, and I always give credit where credit is due. It's like the internal investigators within a police force are now in charge. Oh, that's a diversion. It's a diversion if you're a crook, if you're a criminal, if you're a power-hungry politician. But it's not a diversion when it comes to the rule of law. We have these former uh, Watergate prosecutors now. What would the New York Times and the Washington Company, what would they all do if they were former prosecutors against a Democrat administration? They would tell you who each one is and their ties to Republicans. Here it's just, oh, former Watergate prosecutors. And this judge, they don't tell you he's a Clinton appointee. So a Clinton appointee wants friend of the court briefs about a criminal case that was in his, his courtroom. He's a disgrace. He's a joke. I'll be right back. Lovin. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand, and absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can, too, with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Cheer up, America. We've got him on the run. Joe Biden's DNA is everywhere. May I say. And by the way, Judge Emmett Sullivan, you want to prosecute that case? Keep it going, baby. Why don't you resign from the bench and send your resume to the Attorney General? What you've done here is the disgrace of disgraces. You're supposed to protect the defendant. 
You're supposed to keep an eye on the government. You're supposed to make sure what occurs in your courtroom is proper. Instead, now you're running Ringley Brothers and Barnum and Bailey. Even though the Felt family shut it down, the Emmett Sullivan judge has opened it up. I'm waiting now for the elephants and the circus clowns to come in. So we have a political partisan judge in Emmett Sullivan. Exactly the wrong kind of judge in the Michael Flynn case. He doesn't respect separation of powers. His job as a judge in this instance, when the federal executive branch, the attorney general's office has said that we're not prosecuting this case, is to give it a rubber stamp. He doesn't step in, and look at what the FBI did in this case. And then we have the corruption of the Obama administration, including Obama and Biden. The leaks, more leaks. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Here's the thing. You are witnessing, and you have, you've you've watched my programs and listened to this show, among others, tyranny right in front of your eyes by the federal government, by the FBI, by the CIA, by the office of the President of the United States, the President and people surrounding him, by the Vice President of the United States. And you've watched this tyranny, not just perpetrated by these temporary inhabitants of the federal bureaucracy, but by their party in Congress, which turned the whole thing on its head and turned it into impeachment of the President of the United States. And then you watched the media. The media is in the worst state it's ever been in American history. And the people in the media could care less. We've never had a media like this before, which roots for the enemy, which roots for tyranny, which celebrates it, in fact, perpetuates it. So the entire purpose of a free press right now is non-existent. The New York Times should have broke these stories. The Washington Post should have broke these stories. The other cable channels. The nightly news programs. The people you see sitting at these White House press conferences at the time Obama was president. They should have broke these stories. They didn't break any of them. They have provided cover. As I say, the Praetorian Guard Press, as I've called them for a very long time. Protecting dirty cops. Dirty politicians. 
and abuse of power of our intelligence and law enforcement apparatus like we've never seen in American history, ever. It's far worse than Watergate. Because there we at least had a press that cared. Today we have a press that doesn't care. In fact, that operates in behalf of and on behalf of tyranny. And they get Pulitzer Prizes because if you look at the committee and the members on the committee, the Pulitzer Committee, you'll see they're leftists. So they award themselves their highest honor and they give it to the worst reprobates in their non-existent profession now. Unmasking. You know, when I was sitting here, I'm quite serious. An hour before the program on March 2nd and started to put this together and really hustled fast because I wanted to present what I was seeing on March 2nd, 2017. I really was kind of shocked. I knew how bad the press was, but time and again, one news operation after another participating in this scandal. And yet they should have been the ones breaking the scandal not advancing it. This whole Russia collusion thing was a complete fiction. It was a fabrication by the Obama administration. The nation went through this for three years. The abuse of power at the FBI, the abuse of power at the CIA, the abuse of power in the, in the office of the National Director of Intelligence, the abuse of power in the White House, We're supposed to believe Barack Obama didn't know anything about it. It was in the newspaper. It was leaked in the newspaper. How could he not know anything about it? But we know he knew everything about it. Are you telling me that Jim Comey wouldn't tell him? That Clapper wouldn't tell him? That Brennan wouldn't tell him? That Yates wouldn't tell him? That none of these people would tell him? They would all hold it back? Why would they do that? This was too far-flung and too ubiquitous to just be a couple of people, a couple of knuckleheads on their own going rogue. It was too well-coordinated between federal law enforcement and federal intelligence. It was too well-coordinated. The leaks were too well-coordinated. The abuse of the FISA, it was just too well coordinated. They had to have gotten the go-ahead, the green light, to do whatever they could do to stop not just Michael Flynn, but to stop Trump. But to stop Trump. Anything possible, anything they could do. This is extremely frightening. How this could be done to a president, it could be done to a general, it could be done to anybody. And then you have a judge sitting in Washington, D.C., who's participating in the scam. A rogue federal judge, right now as I speak, Emmett Sullivan. An extraordinary order. I've never heard of an order like this in a criminal case. I really haven't. Having served as chief of staff to an attorney general, maybe they're out there, but I'll tell you what, they're few and far between. Certainly in Washington, D.C., they're few and far between. He's going to accept friend of the court briefs. That is briefs from lawyers, 
from nonprofit groups, from law firms, from political parties, to give the judge their legal opinions, such as they are, about whether or not he should honor separation of powers and the decision of the executive branch, given what we now know about the persecution of Michael Flynn. That's not within the purview of the judge. What's he going to do? Prosecute the case from the bench? Because it sure as hell seems like that's what he's doing. Again, through the back door. What kind of judge is this? Like Berman. What, what all the left-wing judges appointed by Clinton and Obama, they get together? Is that what they do? Like the reporters get together before they have a presser with the president of the United Look, if he does this, I'll jump up and I'll say, I want my questions. Then I'll throw the... I'll throw it open back to you. and All these punk reporters. Now we have punk judges. That's why I wrote my first book, Men in Black. How the Supreme Court's destroying America. But it's not just the Supreme Court, as the book points out. Can't write about every federal district judge, but they're incredibly political. And when I heard the Chief Justice say, we all did, not that long ago, there aren't Obama judges, there aren't Clinton judges, There aren't Trump judges, they're just judges. What a nudnik. He knew better than that before he was a judge. Of course there are. In fact, they're on the Supreme Court, some of them. This is uh, incredible. It's a diversion. Tyranny is a diversion. Really? Well, let me tell you more about the rule of law. A diversion. What Cuomo and Newsom... The other idiots, and I'll say New Jersey, Illinois, Michigan, and they're not alone. What they are doing is tyrannical. They don't even want to find ways to open properly. Here's our 17 and a half point plan to allow you to cut somebody's hair or to feed them a hamburger. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Your Honor. Thank you, thank you, God. Thank you. We're so pleased. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, thank you. But you can only do it, uh uh-oh, if you wrap your face in cellophane, if you put condoms on all your fingers, if you wear a burka-like outfit from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet on Tuesdays. Then you can open. What's the problem? Look at me. I'm I'm trying to balance here. I'm I'm balancing. They're not balancing. And I said it the other day, and I mean it. I took a lot of crap behind the scenes, too. I said the other day, these blue state governors want to shut down their economies, and they are counting on their Democrats in Congress to get them the money they need to make up the difference. Why? Because they want to defeat Trump. When did I say that, Mr. Producer? Last Friday? Something like that. Last week. That's what's going on. That's not a conspiracy theory. Look at it. It's happening right in front of you. Some of the governors, Democrats, are saying no. This guy Polis in Colorado is doing a good job. Look, i got to admit it. He was a left-wing kook in Congress, but that's what he's doing. He's trying to open up his state. He's not taking any heat because he's a left-wing Democrat. But he's trying to open up his state. And Nancy Pelosi trying to give them the money and the power they want. 
Okay, Nancy, what's up? <laughs> I got a $3 trillion bill. <laughs> and what's AOC say? Stop talking about the debt. Just pass the bill. We got these insane buffoons running the country or trying to run the country. Trying to run the country. And you can see how the politics is sizing up here. They are the opposite of what they say, and they want the opposite of what they say. We want the country to unite, just not around Trump. We want everybody to work, just not now. We want everybody to vote three, four times if they're going to vote for us. You know, that's pretty much how they are. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Will somebody please explain Lindsey Graham to me? Here is a tweet by Manu Raju of CNN, formerly a Politico, left-wing kook, dressed up as a reporter. This is what he tweeted out. Lindsey Graham told us he will call Department of Justice officials to come before his panel to explain rationale for seeking to drop Flynn case. Graham said he wants to ask, quote, Why did you decide not to prosecute him? I mean, I think it was a good decision, but the country needs to hear their reason, unquote. This is the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee who has done, frankly, absolutely nothing effective to get to the bottom of anything. He goes on TV. He goes on radio. He's really good. That's spinning, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. He's done nothing. I've raised this repeatedly before. Lindsey Graham didn't get to the bottom of any of this. Can you imagine if Lindsey Graham had a pair like Adam Schiff? Well, Adam Schiff really doesn't have them. But you understand my point. Instead, Lindsey is sort of an ombudsman. I went... I want to find out why, what happened here. I want to know why they didn't prosecute. I mean, it was a good idea, but the country needs to hear their reason. Country knows their reason, genius. I want to know why you haven't been at the forefront of this. And why you're still not at the forefront of this. You're chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. It's called 
Judiciary Committee. Do you see what the judiciary is doing with Emmett Sullivan? Do you see what was done to Michael Flynn? Do you see what was done at the FBI? You say you go on my buddy Hannity's show every damn night, and you go on there, and what do you say? What do you do? He wants to have a hearing, ladies and gentlemen. Quote, why did you decide not to prosecute him? I mean, I think it was a good decision, but the country needs to hear their reason. But the attorney general gave his reason. And Chuck Todd found it so compelling that he had to cut out part of it and then blame CBS. Now, what the hell is it that you want to know, Lindsay? You don't know what tyranny looks like? You don't know what abuse of power looks like? If you can't handle the job, step aside and give it to somebody who can, for God's sakes. Where the hell's the Senate Intelligence Committee? That other guy, Burr. Hey, honey, I'm going to move my stocks around here. Uh, We have the virus now, and the stock market's collapsing, uh, and I've retired, and the press just loves me. So I'm going to move my stocks around here, and where the hell is that guy, Richard Burr? I mean, they have Nadler. We got Graham. They have Schiff. We've got Richard Burr. I mean, what's going on? Well, we're not the House, you know. Well, what are you? They're going to call Department of Justice officials? Shouldn't they look at the list of the people who were doing the unmasking and call them? And subpoena them? Wasn't wasn't Lindsey Graham going to dig into the Hunter Biden stuff? You remember that, Mr. Producer? Whatever happened to... I'm gonna. We're gonna use. My, we're gonna get to the bottom of this one. I can tell you that, Sean. I'm. I'm really. I'm gonna. I'm really. We're gonna work really, really hard to get to the bottom of this one here. I, this I can tell you. What happened? Nothing. Nothing. They're afraid of getting too close to the truth. They're afraid of getting too close to Obama and Biden. The president of the United States. He doesn't have a chance with Congress. He doesn't have a chance with the Republicans in the Senate. And there's Romney. Well, I really think you uh, you could have, could have done a, done a better job on the uh, virus here. We'd still be hearing from uh, John Bolton if uh, Romney were in charge. And by the way, uh, Mitt, the Vaseline in the hair thing, uh, you and the idiot governor of uh, California, that went out a long time ago, 1960s, at least early 1970s. Nobody does that anymore. One of the reasons is it's unhealthy, Mr. Producer. You catch, you know, fleas and flies in your head, uh, you know. And I say that as somebody who is uh, uh, hair deficient, may I put it that way? And and proud of it. But Lindsey wants to hold a hearing. You think the Democrats will fight him on that hearing? Of course not. It's like Lamar Alexander. Lamar, Lamar. Come home, honey. It's time, Lamar, to come home. And he is going home to Tennessee having done such tremendous work in the United States Senate. Anybody know what Lamar Alexander's done? Nobody knows a damn thing that Lamar Alexander's done. What did he do? I don't know, but damn, what he's a good senator. How come? I don't know. Listen, he's a good man. His staff, when I call that office, they answer my phone. He is a good man. That Lamar Alexander, what has he done? Nothing. And he holds a hearing with Fauci and the others. And what did we learn? Nothing. Not a damn thing. Nothing. 
Doesn't hold a hearing with the others. Doesn't hold a hearing with other experts and scientists to see if Fauci's got it right. No, no, no. Fauci. Fauci. I can see it now. There he is. He'll be up there, chiseled in stone. Mount Rushmore, the only non-president up there. You have Lincoln and Washington, and you have Roosevelt and Jefferson and Fauci. There's the Fauci right up there. Oh, Fauci. All right. You know, I'm not trying to attack these people, but I'm really annoyed. Here we are to see what's going on here. And, and Lindsay, I, I, I want to I hold a hearing with Department of Justice. I want to see why they decided not, not to prosecute Flynn. What's he smoking? I'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Where Americans meet to defend liberty and defeat tyranny. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. You know, the Obama administration... Here's a hearing that Lindsay might want to call, or maybe not. David uh, Harsani at the uh, National Review, he's he's an excellent thinker and writer. He says, you know, you look at the Obama administration. You look at its record. And he's right, even beyond this. He says, uh, by 2016, the Obama administration's intelligence community had normalized domestic spying. Obama's director of national intelligence, James Clapper, famously lied about snooping on American citizens to Congress. His CIA director, John Brennan, oversaw an agency that felt comfortable spying on the Senate, with at least five of his underlings breaking into congressional computer files. His attorney general, Eric Holder, invoked the Espionage Act to spy on a Fox News journalist, shopping his case to three judges until he found one who let him name the reporter as a co-conspirator. The Obama administration also spied on AP reporters, which the news organization called a massive and unprecedented intrusion. And although it's long forgotten, Obama officials were caught monitoring the conversations of members of Congress who opposed the Iran nuclear deal. This is so true. So incredible. And then these apologists. In her very last hour in office, Susan Rice wrote that self-preserving email to herself, noting she attended a meeting with the President, Deputy Attorney General Yates, FBI Director Comey, Vice President Biden, in which Obama stressed that everything in the investigation should proceed by the book. Did high-ranking Obama administration officials not always conduct such investigations by the book? It's curious they would need to be specifically instructed to do so. It's also curious that the outgoing National Security Advisor, 15 minutes after Trump had been sworn in, would need to mention the meeting, as I mentioned last Thursday on Hannity. 
He says none of this means Obama committed some specific crime. He almost assuredly did not. Well, how do we know that? I mean, you know, when it's Nixon or Reagan or Trump, they're looking for a crime. When it's Obama, he most assuredly did not. No, no way. In a healthy media environment, though, the mounting evidence of wrongdoing would spark an outpouring of journalistic curiosity. Of course. How about some curiosity by the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee to hold some serious hearings? He says skeptics like to point out that Obama administration had no motive to engage in abuse because Democrats were sure they were going to win. Richard Nixon won 49 states in 1972. His cronies had no need to break into the DNC's offices and touch off Watergate. But as FBI agents involved in the case noted, they wanted to have an insurance policy if the unthinkable happened. Yes. Much like Page and Stroke. In 2016, the unthinkable did happen. And we're still dealing with the fallout four years later. We don't know where this scandal will end up. But one doesn't have to be a conspiracy theorist to wonder. No. Far from conspiracy theorists. That would actually be the Russia collusion conspiracy theory, which was nothing more than an absolute flat-out lie. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics including the Constitution, economics, history, and literature, right in your own home, on demand, absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can too with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register now to take this free online course, The American Story. It's a production masterpiece and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. All right, let's see here if I can get this computer working. Mr. Produce, well, here we go. I got the screen up. Let's take a call or two and get you folks involved. By the way, congratulations to WMAL. It is the number one station in the Washington metropolitan area, beating out WTOP and others that have always been number one, the news stations, WMAL. It's got a great lineup. It's got a great leader, Bill Hess, who understands this business, doesn't run infomercials in the prime time and that sort of thing. Just a terrific station. Local hosts are terrific. The national hosts. And um, the thread, the common thread in the station, in other words, you don't do like sports and then conservative talk and then a liberal and then cooking. And People turn on the station because they have expectations of the highest quality, of respect for the audience, substance, interest, some laughs. But it's not a variety hour. You don't listen to a sports station to hear, you know, rock and roll. And you don't listen to a talk station to hear sports. And the really good program directors and managers understand all this. They understand their audience. And they program for their audience, with their audience, not against them. 
And Bill Hess is one of the greats. And WMAL is number one in the entire Washington metropolitan liberal government-centric area. Think about that. That's a big deal. Dana, Branchville, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Dana, go. Oh, hi, Mark. I've been a longtime listener. Um, Thank you. We love you. Um, I've been trying to get a hold of you for trying to get through for like two years about Mm. this. Um, On January 5th, 2017, I was flipping through the channels and I happened to stop on the Rachel Maddow show. And the reason I stopped is because she had uh, Jennifer Palmieri on. She was interviewing her. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer Palmieri um, said some very disturbing things that I wrote down. I'm an English teacher, so I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. And this is what she said. She said, um, quote, Trump is going to be sorry that he messed with the intelligence community. They have ways of getting even. And do you think it is coincidence that this information came out? So I scribbled Mm. that down, and then the next morning I went on to the Rachel Maddow show online to get the full interview and the full quote, and they had taken the interview down. So she doesn't even list a guest for that that day. Oh, isn't that fascinating? So they're censoring. Yes, and I just thought we're all talking about January 5th, 2017, and it's just coincidental. I'm reading off of a, a letter that I was going to send this to Rush Limbaugh, too, you know, because I needed to tell somebody about this. I haven't heard anything about this. Like, nobody else mm-hmm. has brought this up, but it just seems really ominous that um, this is such a popular date these days, that these things are happening. So um, I just wanted to get that out there. Maybe you can look into it. You have means of... We will look at it. We will. That's a very good point. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Let's continue. John in Oregon, the great K-L-O-O. Go. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Very well. Thank you. Mark, uh, I love your books. I'm going to have to reread a second time uh, and in black. Love it. And I feel a real kinship with you as an attorney. Thank and my you. best friend, I my best friend uh, went to Temple Law in the late '80s. But I I'm really disturbed uh, by you, as you mentioned that judge earlier. I'm a former prosecutor, mm-hmm. and I just find it astounding that a judge would hold up a, a dismissal in this case. Well, in any case, really. But I heard one of those talking head former prosecutors today on TV talking about how the reason the judge is asking for friend-of-court briefs and things of that nature is because normally there's another party involved. And in this case, since the DOJ dismissed, there isn't another party. And I'm, like, sitting there going, what is she talking about? The prosecution is the party, and the prosecution has dismissed, moved to dismiss the case. I cannot understand this. I'm so disturbed with what's going on in the legal community. Let me me read something to you that just came out, literally, within the last 30 minutes. You're a former prosecutor. I want you to listen to this. So this is a leak that's coming out of the prosecutor's office as well, if it's accurate. The whole newspaper. The federal judge presiding over former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn's criminal case 
suggested on Wednesday he's considering the possibility of holding President Trump's former aide in contempt for perjury. U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan also tapped a retired federal judge to argue against the Department of Justice's motion to drop the criminal prosecution of Flynn. John Gleason, who spent 22 years as a judge and served as a federal prosecutor before entering private practice, will serve as an amicus curiae or friend of the court in opposition to the Justice Department's recently adopted position that Flynn's case should be dismissed. Among the issues Sullivan has asked former federal judge John Gleason to address is, quote, whether the court should issue an order to show cause why Mr. Flynn should not be held in criminal contempt for perjury. The move comes after the DOJ last week asked Sullivan to drop the charges against Flynn for lying to the FBI about his contacts with Russia shortly before Trump took office, despite Flynn having previously pleaded guilty. That placed Flynn's fate in the hands of Sullivan, a Clinton appointee who's been on the bench since 1994 and is regarded as having a fiercely independent streak, not by me. And it goes on... Former prosecutor and attorney, what in the hell do you make of that? Mark, I, I am, Are you not shocked? I mean, I, I'm, I'm absolutely sh- I'm so shocked that I don't even know what to say when I look at the legal community that we, we have in America today was in so many places. It's just, I, I don't even know what to say to that, Mark. I, He's asked specifically a former federal judge who's probably a friend of his, to file a brief on why Flynn should be held in contempt? Yeah. If I were the DOJ, I would, and I suppose he could order them to show up for, for a hearing. I'd say, okay, Judge, set it for trial, and we'll go in and, in opening statements, we'll just tell the jury that there's no basis for the charges. I don't understand what what the point of this is. It's just, it's it's... It's, I don't even know what to say anymore. I mean, this guy should be removed. He's, he should be forced to recuse himself. He also suggested that Flynn had committed treason a few months back. Do you remember that? Yes. How does a judge do that? I, you know, it, and, and stay. He's fiercely independent, though, don't you know? No, he's fiercely outside the ethical rules for a judge. You're absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. All right, my friend. Thank you for calling. I'll be right back. Judge uh, Emmett Sullivan should recuse himself or the Department of Justice, in my view, should file a motion urging him to recuse himself. We look at the uh, Code of Conduct for U.S. Judges, effective March 12, 2019. Canon 1, a judge should uphold the integrity and independence of the judiciary. Canon 2, a judge should avoid impropriety and the appearance of impropriety in all activities. Canon 3, a judge should perform the duties of the office fairly, impartially, and diligently. Canon 4, a judge may engage in extrajudicial activities that are consistent with the obligations of judicial office. Canon 5, a judge should refrain from political activity. Compliance with the Code of Conduct, applicable date of compliance is now. Now, I haven't looked at the cases 
specifically, because I'm on the air, but at some point I will, kind of want a judge to uphold the integrity and independence of the judiciary. He's clearly not doing that. He's playing politics and partisanship and violating separation of powers. Canon two, a judge should avoid impropriety in the appearance of impropriety in all activities. Canon three, a judge should perform the duties of the office fairly and partially and diligently. That's clearly not taking place. The judge isn't even noting what the FBI did to this man. The judge has said in the past that he's guilty of treason. So it's really quite appalling to me what this judge has done in this case. He's not independent. And a judge is really only as good as his last case, quite frankly. You know, a lower mortgage rate means so much more than a lower monthly payment. It also means the potential for tens of thousands of long-term savings. So please, look at your rate. If it's not in the threes, you need to pick up the phone and call my friends at American Financing for a free mortgage review. No pressure either. No obligation whatsoever. Just a simple call. You'll learn about custom loan options that can save you up to $1,000 a month without resetting your term. Only takes 10 minutes to get started, and you really shouldn't put this off any longer because rates have never been this low, and they're only going to go higher. And There's a very good chance you can benefit. Even if you bought a home or refinanced last year, you may still be eligible for a better deal. So call American Financing today and find out for sure. 888-900-1828, that's their number, 888-900-1828, or apply online at AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You know, it's interesting. Judges themselves are not required to play Helen Keller. If they see another judge is conducting himself improperly, they can raise the issue too, particularly other federal district judges in Washington, D.C. and appellate judges in Washington, D.C. First and foremost, they're lawyers. First and foremost, they're lawyers, and they have an obligation to the law. Now, what this judge is doing, he's not only asking for amicus briefs, he's encouraging one specifically from a retired judge to address why he shouldn't hold Flynn in criminal contempt. He's trying to stack the deck. And on what basis? And I can assure you, he picked this person and asked this person to write this brief. Not because he's interested in a unique issue of law. It's because he wants some help. It's absolutely shocking. Absolutely If you're a former federal prosecutor or a former federal judge, and you have some guts to call this program, call me and tell me where I'm wrong. Or call me and tell me where I'm right. I've never seen anything like this. I really have not. Now, I have to confess, I haven't studied every instance. But I've been around a little while. I've been around the courthouse in Washington, D.C. for a little bit. I don't ever remember this. 
I truly don't. Nothing like this. This guy's cocky. He's a narcissist. And obviously he's out of control. He doesn't want justice to prevail. And the Department of Justice, that is the executive branch, is not without tools. It's not without options. And this judge has said enough now and done enough now. They should take, they should go to their office of legal counsel, their criminal division, and put together a motion and have this man removed or seek another court. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, You know, I do this show a little differently. We've got some folks, and they do a great job, who report on the news and comment on the news. And why did this happen and this and this? And we, of course, do the same here. But we do something else. When I see the news, I try to get to the bottom of it. The bottom of it. The leaks. And now we have this judge. I told you what the Hill newspaper had to say, but there's actually more coming out of this now. This is on Right Scoop. Breaking Flynn judge, that is this Emmett Sullivan, who was appointed by Clinton, just appointed a Clinton judge, another Clinton judge, to argue against dropping the case against Flynn. It turns out Judge Sullivan isn't just interested in getting amicus brief statements from anti-Trump organizations. He's now appointing a Clinton judge. The same Clinton who appointed him to argue against dropping the case against Flynn. Here's Sean Davis, who's terrific, from The Federalist. The judge in Flynn's case just appointed a retired judge appointed by Bill Clinton to argue against dismissing the corrupt case against Flynn. Note that the motion to dismiss the case is unopposed by all the parties to the case. And he writes, Emmett G. Sullivan is as corrupt as Comey's FBI. The order the judge says in part upon consideration of the entire record in this case, it is hereby ordered that the court exercises its inherent authority to appoint, see it doesn't have authority, so it's inherent, to appoint the Honorable Judge John Gleason, retired as amicus curiae, to present arguments in opposition to the government's motion to dismiss. And apparently, according to the Hill, also on why he shouldn't hold Clinton, uh, uh, Flynn in criminal contempt. As Sean Davis readily notes, there's no one opposed to the dropping of this case except perhaps the judge. When asked last week if the judge gets a say, Attorney General Barr went out of his way to answer professionally without saying anything to antagonize the judge. 
When Trump was asked today if he thinks the judge should recuse himself, he evaded the question, changing the subject to just talk about Flynn. And so at Right Scoop, Brian writes, My point is no one is antagonizing this judge so that one could say he's acting or reacting to something. It appears this is all coming from the judge himself, who apparently, for whatever reason, wants to keep this case going for a while before he ultimately ends up allowing it to be dismissed. I'm not sure, sir, the latter, unless there's enormous pressure placed on him. I wonder if the judiciary is proud of this. It's another problem with policing the judiciary. You have lifetime appointed judges, so when you get a whack job like this, this is what happens. Effectively, you have lifetime appointed phony media uh, people, journalists in the media. No policing of any sort, no checks and balances. I'll tell you what it is. This judge, Emmett Sullivan, hates Trump. I'm telling you what it is. And Mike Flynn is the linchpin to all this phony Russia collusion crap. And so Sullivan, who hates Trump, wants to see him defeated. Probably wants to retire one day soon. Likely will only retire if Trump loses and Biden becomes president so he can be replaced with a Democrat. I'm telling you, this kind of crap goes on. But hopefully the smart people at the Justice Department are thinking of a, uh, a motion to file here to get around this. To take this case out of the hands of this judge. Because it's even worse than just soliciting like a slip and fall personal attorney lawyer with a billboard on Route 95 in Florida. It's worse than that. He asked a buddy of his who was appointed by Clinton to specifically brief whether or not <coughs> he should dismiss the case and whether or not Flynn should be held in criminal contempt. This is really quite shocking. It truly is. I'm going to stay on this. Hopefully the other broadcasters will pick up on this tomorrow and the next day. They usually do. you got to wonder, General Flynn, what the hell did he do to deserve all of this? It didn't matter what he did or didn't do. It didn't matter. You know, he is a, uh, in many ways, he's a political prisoner. Not physically in prison, but in many ways, he can't speak out. He lost his life savings. He lost his home. As I understand, not from him, but others, was handed down through the family. His family's been tormented. His son was threatened with prosecution. And what do they do? Charge him with a false statement. Violation of 18 United States Code 1001. The weakest possible charge in existence. Never made any sense for those of us who were seriously observing this. Wait a minute, he's colluding with the Russians and you're charging him with a false statement? And keep in mind, this Emmett Sullivan isn't moved by any of the information that's come out. He's not moved by the fact that Flynn was set up. He's not moved by the abuse of power with Stroke and McCabe and Comey. He's going to defend Obama. He's going to defend the Obama administration. He wants Trump out. Emmett Sullivan must resign. He has surrendered his 
independence. He's not a judge. He's a man with judicial power. But he's way out of line. Way out of line. And, and he and Berman and these other left-wing judges in Washington, D.C. are destroying the reputation of the judiciary. Mr. Chief Justice, they're destroying the reputation of the judiciary. And they're not even concealing their partisanship. This case should be taken away from Emmett Sullivan. Asking a buddy of his, appointed by Clinton, former federal judge, now retired, to provide a brief, a brief, against dismissing the case, against Flynn, and perhaps holding Flynn in criminal contempt. That's a way to get him in jail, you see. A judge can hold him in criminal contempt, and by, that, by the time that's all sorted out, if you're held in criminal contempt, you're already in jail. Unbelievable. This guy's a crackpot. Starting to really think. Oh, no, no, you don't understand. He's very well respected. Not by me. Not by me. And he issues his own order appointing an amicus curiae. Again, not on a complicated constitutional, statutory, unique issue. No, because he wants this guy, he wants to be able to point to his scholarship, such as it is, to base his opinion. Just like these Watergate prosecutors, all the Watergate prosecutors in aren't in on this. Just the most radical Democrats among them, like Richard Benveniste, who's a complete jackass in my view. I've had to deal with him. And I kicked his butt pretty good, but that's a whole other story. None of the parties are objecting to this. The chief prosecutor resigned. It's just appalling. Appalling. This, I, I, I'm, I don't have any more words for this. I, I don't even know what to say anymore. When you have this kind of absolute corruption going on. If you can't depend on a trial judge, a federal trial judge, to conduct himself honestly and objectively, but instead to use his political views because he hates Trump and loves Obama. He accused Flynn of treason, effectively. That should have been the end of that. He's the judge. Treason for what? He's charged with a false statement. Treason? Treason for what? While he sits comfortably in his robes, Your Honor, Your Honor, what would you like for lunch, Your Honor? What time should you come in, Your Honor? And yelling out orders and banging his gavel around. Flynn is a combat veteran, put his life on the line for 33 years. He's tried to defend this country. So Judge Sullivan can sit comfortably in his air-conditioned courthouse, banging his gavel at everybody. It is time, America, that we know who these judges are. Whether it's Judge Berman, Judge Sullivan, other judges in these immigration cases, it is time. This is our country. It's not their country. And I don't give a damn if they've been appointed for life. No. 
They're accountable to us, too. And rather than circling the wagons, Chief Justice Roberts, you should be very concerned about what's taking place right under your nose in Washington, D.C. Whether it's Berman, whether it's Sullivan, whether it's the FISA court. The FISA court was told in April 2017, I know, Landmark Legal Foundation filed the brief. The court was told that it had been abused, that it had been lied to. And the judge, in three sentences, dismissed it. Didn't want to know anything about it. And now we know they're investigating themselves to figure out what happened to us here. What, what was done to us? They had no interest in this until the independent counsel's report, excuse me, until the inspector general's report came out. No interest in reviewing any of this. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Getting some ideas out there I don't think will work, but who knows. A writ of prohibition, one caller said. It's very, very rarely used where a, a superior court orders a lower court, it directs the judge to cease the litigation. Maybe it's worth a try. Maybe that's worth a try. I don't think the Department of Justice should leave... Emmett Sullivan to his own devices because he's already demonstrated uh, that he's incapable of being a judge in this case. He's too invested in Obama administration. He's too invested in the defeat of Donald Trump. He's too invested in the destruction of Michael Flynn. And he's demonstrated that with his own big mouth in open court. And now he's demonstrated it again with his own order, inherent authority. Inherent authority, that's where liberal judges hide, in their inherent authority. He had no authority to order that. And even some of these former federal prosecutors, well, it kind of does, because they believe these judges are, are omnipotent, even though they can be wrong and evil. I don't believe they are. Let's go to Marty, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. How are you, Marty? Yes. You're on. I think that uh, General Flynn can win at a hearing on this criminal contempt. If it goes forward, it'll backfire on, Je- on Sullivan, and this is why. 
The theory of the prosecution from Sullivan will be that when the general made his plea allocution, he was questioned in court and he said, yes, it's true, nobody uh, coerced me, nobody threatened me. You have to say all those kind of things. Now, when you go to uh, uh, the, the uh, criminal contempt hearing, the general's defense will be that the truth is that he was coerced. And because he was coerced, it should be no surprise whether he, they were coercing him about his son and his family. So that's a good defense, uh, I believe, to, to the words that he said in court under the plea allocution. I think that Sullivan is just trying to buy time here, put on a show. Uh, Sidney Powell will whip him if he tries this. What about also, let me ask you, you're a former federal prosecutor, correct? State well, let me ask you this, Barney. What about the fact that some information's come out that the court should be very, very interested in that further demonstrates the problem here? Because the prosecution withheld this information. It was the attorney general who, who ordered the release of this information after an investigation by the United States attorney, Jensen, for the Eastern District of Missouri. So they found out how corrupt this was. A court should be very concerned about that, shouldn't it? Yes, sir. I never call anything a ground ball, but you and I have been lawyers for a long time. I would try this case. I don't, I don't see how the general loses with all that filth in the case. Let, let's all of them try it. The problem is the poor guy, Flynn's been already through, you know, the meat grinder here, and this judge is really appalling. What steps might the, the Department of Justice take to deal with this judge? File a motion for him to recuse himself at a minimum. You know he doesn't have to. It's up to the judge to recuse himself. I know, uh, but lay it out there for the next round in, 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 in this, perhaps. Anyway, go ahead. I, I think that Sidney Powell should just challenge him. Challenge him to have the hearing and then whip him on the hearing. If you don't win at the hearing, you win on appeal. How do you lose this case with all this filth in it and with such an obvious ploy and with, with Obama having done the dog whistle about perjury the other day? Give me a break. Have you ever heard of a judge, federal or state, Opening up a criminal case to amicus curiae and also asking a former colleague or friend, I should say, on the judiciary who was appointed by the same president to file an amicus on whether or not he should dismiss the case and whether or not this defendant should be held in contempt. Have you ever heard of anything like that? I certainly never did. I don't know that much, but it just seems like a truly desperate ploy to me. I just explained an incredibly simple answer to this. Mm-hmm. All right, Marty. Thank you for your call, sir. We're talking about Emmett Sullivan. Really, he's turned into quite the disgrace. Shocking. Shocking. I'm saying I, I, I'm unfamiliar with this sort of conduct from a judge. But there's a small circle, you know, these Obama, Clinton judges and former... Pro- Here's Eric Holder on MSNBC last night. And this Judge Sullivan watches all this stuff, I guarantee it. Cut three, go. What we have is a president who is bound and determined to delegitimize those parts of the government that he thinks pose the greatest threat to him. That is the Justice Department, the FBI, the intelligence community as well. Uh, he say, says those kinds of things that you just showed from, uh, from the Rose Garden. It's all part of a plan uh, to somehow make those institutions weaker so that he can do the kinds of illicit, implicit, illicit things um, that he has been, uh, he's been doing. And he's 
facilitated by this attorney general. Uh, this attorney general is actually complicit in this by weakening these institutions. This is an attorney general who's supposed to stand up for the people who work for him. And in fact, he is doing all that he can to weaken the very institutions that, uh, that he leads. So what's happening here is all the elements of the former Obama administration and the left, whether they be judges, former attorneys general, former prosecutors, former top FBI officials, they're all organizing a pushback against the corruption, against the scandal, against potentially the criminality that they hatched or they watched. And that's why Holder says what he says. And that's why this judge is involved in pushback now. All of these guys are leftists. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Levin, America's Paul Revere. Call him now at 877-381-3811. I want to, uh, I want to congratulate some of the uh, sheriffs out there, some law enforcement out there who are telling these governors to stick it. In my state of Virginia, and Culpepper, the sheriff there, was asked to really put the boot on the throat of his citizens and enforce what are really, in some cases, outrageous orders from this, this reprobate of a governor. And he said, no, I'm not doing that. I follow the Constitution. I take an oath to the Constitution, not to the governor. Can you imagine if we had more people in law enforcement doing that in these blue states with these nutjob governors? Truthfully. By the way, uh, this is quite interesting, very interesting. On May 11th, that would be Monday, and unfortunately, I don't subscribe, fortunately, to the Washington Post, but I have a, uh, a headline here. John Gleason, that's the guy who Judge Sullivan is now asked to write a friend of the court brief on why he should... Uh, dismiss the case, that is, whether he should dismiss the case against Flynn at the request of the executive branch, and whether he should hold him in criminal contempt. Gleason wrote a piece in the Washington Compost, in the op-ed section, 
on Monday with David O'Neill and Marshall Miller, whomever they are. But Gleason served as U.S. District Judge for the Eastern District of New York and Chief of the Criminal Division, U.S. Attorney's Office in that district. David O'Neill served as the Acting Assistant Attorney General for the Justice Department Criminal Division and Assistant U.S. Attorney in the Southern District of New York. Marshall Miller served as the highest-ranking career official in the Criminal Division and uh, Chief of the Criminal Division for the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District. And they wrote a piece saying the Flynn case isn't over. Even if the executive branch says it is. And that's who, in the case of Gleason, Judge Sullivan is asking to write the friend of the court brief. Well, he already did in this op-ed. I don't know what this Judge Sullivan is asking for here. It's right here. But it's in the Washington Post. And the Washington Post hates Trump and hates Flynn. So you can see how they all kind of work together, right? Not formally. Some of them formally. Mr. Bidusa, can you pull up that article for me now that you hear me talking about it and see if you can cut and paste it and send it to me? All right, thank you. Incredible. We're going to take a look at that article in a moment. I'm laying this out for you, you Levinites, because I know you're a cut above and you want to know about this and how this works and what's going on. There's nothing else I can tell you today about the coronavirus. There's nothing else I can tell you today about the economy. It's clear that Democrats want the economy to tank, and they're already blaming it on Trump. It's clear if the virus continues in a second round, it'll be Trump's fault. They're blaming it on Trump. You have to be of a a very low IQ and a zombie to just keep accepting this, this propaganda from the left. And yet, a lot of people aren't. We have a win by Mike Garcia, who was on this program last evening, because I wanted to give him an extra push, in a special election where this Katie Hill, you remember her, I was set up, you know, the one that was sleeping around and sleeping, whatever. Uh, 32 years old. Obviously, she took her job very seriously. Can you imagine, you're elected to Congress at 32, and this is the crap you're doing? Anyway, she had to resign. The left views her as a hero for some reason. And a real hero, a combat pilot, was elected in this special election in this district. So the Republicans picked up a seat in California that the Democrats had picked up before. People were holding their breath a little bit because you know how it works in California. The votes are counted right you know, for a month until they get their winner, a Democrat. A lot of Republicans lost seats in California that way. But Garcia's lead was big enough where even the Democrat had to concede. And also in Wisconsin, Sean Duffy's old seat, Republican seat, was also won overwhelmingly by a Republican. So the Republicans picked up a seat in California the first time since 1998 that that's happened in that state. They held a seat in Wisconsin. It was a good day. And notice how they're downplaying it. If Garcia had lost, oh my God, you'd never hear the end of it. But he won. Here's the Washington Post piece written by a former judge appointed by Clinton and now another Clinton judge, the one handling the Flynn case, mishandling the Flynn case, read this piece and decided this judge, Gleason, who was one of three who wrote this piece, should formalize it in an amicus curiae brief to the court. And here's what they write. 
The Justice Department's move to dismiss the prosecution of former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn does not need to be the end of the case, and it shouldn't be. Justice Department has made conflicting statements to the federal judge overseeing the case, Emmett G. Kelly. Now, the federal judge is a friend of his, appointed by Clinton. He has the authority, the tools, the obligation to assess the credibility of the department's stated reasons for abruptly reversing course. The department's motion to dismiss the Flynn case is actually just a request, one that requires, quote, leave of the court, unquote, before it's effective. Now, here's where the activism kicks in. The executive branch has unreviewable authority to decide whether to prosecute a case, but once it secures an indictment, the proceedings necessarily involve the judicial branch. (laughs) Oh, jeez. And the law provides that the court, not the executive branch, decides whether an indictment may be dismissed. Now, this is really absurd. Who's going to prosecute the case, genius? This is a former federal judge. Of course, the executive branch decides if a case will be dismissed. The judge's role is ministerial. It's ministerial. That's it. The responsible exercise of that authority is particularly important here, where a defendant's plea of guilty has already been accepted. Government motions to dismiss at this age are virtually unheard of. No, they're not. Not where new evidence... You have Brady violations. And you have corruption in the prosecution. And the documents are revealed. And a career U.S. attorney, the Eastern District of Missouri, who's also a former federal prosecutor, or is a current federal prosecutor, was a former assistant prosecutor. He says, we can't go forward with this case. It would be an injustice, an injustice, rather. Prosecutors deserve a presumption of regularity. The benefit of the doubt, they are acting honestly and following the rules. But when the facts suggest they've abused their power, the presumption fades. If prosecutors attempt to dismiss a well-founded prosecution for impermissible or corrupt reasons, the people would be ill-served. This, you see what's happening here? He just flat-out states his politics. It's not up to the judge to decide whether the case should be prosecuted. It's up to the executive branch. I would remind Mr. Gleason that the executive branch existed before any federal district court in the land because it's judiciary acts that created the federal district courts. They're not even in the Constitution, nor are appellate courts. The only judge uh, court in the Constitution is the Supreme Court. And what this John Gleason is suggesting is that separation of powers be violated. That the judge determine whether the case should be prosecuted. The judge is supposed to oversee the case. And what Gleason does, a bridge too far, God, I, ho- I, would, I would hope that the people who had cases in front of this guy would take another look. He assumes prosecutors attempt to dismiss a well-founded prosecution for impermissible or corrupt reasons. The opposite is the case. He says there's been nothing regular about the department's effort to dismiss the Flynn case. The record reeks of improper political influence. There you go. Hours after the career prosecutor abruptly withdrew, the department moved to dismiss the indictment in a filing signed only by an interim U.S. attorney, a former aide to Attorney General Barr, whom Barr had installed in that position. Ladies and gentlemen, the facts are are revealed by the documents. Nor did this article point out 
that an existing U.S. attorney in the Eastern District of Missouri who has a long record of being a career prosecutor is the one who came to the conclusion. And so this is a pretext. And Gleason and O'Neill and Miller know it. And Mr. Gleason, you're happy to call in, I'd be more than happy for you to call into this program to debate this point if you'd like. I've given up asking these people to come on these shows. They don't, they don't want to come on. They never come on. And so now he writes, fortunately, the court has many tools to vindicate the public interest. It's not the court's job to vindicate a public interest. God, can you imagine? It's to decide the case in front of it. Not to vindicate a public interest. It can require the career prosecutor to explain why he stepped off the case, as another federal judge recently did when the Trump administration attempted to replace a trial team litigating the politicization of the census. That's not what happened. If you're not going to advance the position of the executive branch, prosecutors are not cowboys, or they're not supposed to be. They're not rogue operators. They ultimately work for the President of the United States. If you're not going to advance the case that the President of the United States is bringing all the way to the Supreme Court, of course you should be removed. This is shocking. Absolutely shocking. So what's happening here is as the Justice Department, Jensen, Durham, Barr, others, no doubt, are trying to unravel what's taken place here, whether it's the Flynn case, the Stone case, whether it's the FBI and so forth, you now have this former judge and others urging the current judge to stonewall, to cover up. That's what's going on here. That's what Gleason's trying to do. And Sullivan is a disgrace for using this op-ed to then reach out to Gleason. It kind of reminds me, it's not the same thing, of course, but it reminds me of the inside-outside game where you have McCade leaking to a reporter, then the reporter writes the story, and then that story is used for a FISA complaint. Man, oh man, ladies, I'm thinking we've lost our country here. I really am. And these people think that they're, they're the ones carrying forth the truth because, you know, they have to decide what's in the public interest, what's righteous. The, the progressive ideology, the soft Marxism, really is ubiquitous in this society now. It truly, really is. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us. 
we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right. The, uh, the media is very upset again, but you should be very happy. This is media, which is a hard left never-Trumper, pro-Democrat, phony media site. Founded by Dan Abrams, who's all what I just described. Shock CNN poll. Trump leads Biden by seven points in the battleground states, despite trailing by five points overall. A new poll shows former Vice President Joe Biden and President Donald Trump in a standoff over their national support and their momentum in battleground states. Now, this is before Biden's come out of the basement. And, you know, and had a, has had a debate. I mean, Biden should be soaring. Unemployment's at 15%, probably going to go to over 20. Not as a result of anything the president's done, by the way. You've got this virus. The Democrats are trying to blame him for the death of tens of thousands, for the unemployment of millions. Apparently, it's not working very well. Wait until Biden's out on the stump. They're going to try and keep him like a caged veal as long as they can. A CNN study conducted by SRSS found that 51% of national registered voters back Biden, 46% behind Trump. This is a 2% drop for Biden since the poll had him at 53% in April, while the president has jumped up by 4%. The poll featured an oversampling of registered voters living in battleground states, and the findings among that subset indicate that Trump is leading Biden 52 to 45 in the battleground states. Trump is the edge among male voters, independents, white people, though Biden has a slight edge with women voters. Uh, Go figure. Even though several of the poll's demographic findings fell within the margin of error. The numbers go on to say the economy is still Trump's biggest advantage, since 54% of voters think he would handle those types of issues better than Biden, who stands at 42%. But Biden outclasses Trump, they write, in terms of who is better uh, suited to deal with health care. The coronavirus, efficient, you know, one debate will fix that. And so in the battleground states as a collective, Trump has a significant lead by seven points. Overall, Biden has a five-point lead. Oh, I got to change the Electoral College. We got to screw the Constitution to uphold the Constitution. You know, ladies and gentlemen, like I say, the first book I wrote was Men in Black of the Supreme Court. is destroying America. Well, now you see it's not just the Supreme Court. It's judges like Emmett Sullivan who are out of control, who have enormous power, like his colleague, Amy Berman. It's a sad, sad state. What a joke. And we salute all you heroes out there. Thank you very, very much. And we'll see you right here tomorrow. God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.